Thanks, Trent. I, I, get, I get pampered in this church. So once again, Trent's uh, been gracious enough to, to, to lend me uh, the pulpit in this beautiful church, and I feel very blessed about that because uh, it's not something that I take for granted at all. Um, we are in a special place this morning. This is, a, this is holy ground. This is a place that's been set aside for what God has for you personally today. Sometimes it's easy to come in and sit in a fellowship uh, like this or in any church for that matter and think that the message is not necessarily for you personally but today the message is very, very personal and it goes to the heart of where you are with God. I'd even go so far as to say it's a reset for me too, for, for all of us while we... Well, we ask ourselves some hard questions. Having said that, uh, we are basing the message this morning on um, uh, Matthew 19, verse 16 to 30. So I'll just read that out now. Now a man came up to Jesus and, and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get an eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus said, there is only one thing that is good. Uh, if you, or there is only one who is good. If you want eternal life, to, um, obey the commandments. Which one? The man inquired. Uh, Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honour your father and your mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or fields for, the sake of, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will, will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Let's pray. Father God, this morning I pray that you would uh, convict each and every one of us, Father, that the words that I speak would be the ones that you put in my mouth and that your mercy would rest on each one of us and that your spirit would fill this room this morning. Father, let this be 
a special time spent with you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. It always amazes me how people build empires and wealth with no regard to what happens when they die. I've known many rich and wealthy people because I've been in business and I have uh, um, business associates all over the world in various countries and that means uh, that by default I've run into many people who are very wealthy. And some of them are what you would call good people and some of them are what you would call not so good people. But they all will have one thing in common and that is that they put money or the acquisition of stuff, assets, in front of everything else. So I'm just wondering who this young man was that came up to Jesus. The Bible says he had great wealth. He was a rich young man. And by definition, that means that he's probably uh, inherited a lot of wealth. I don't know what a wealthy young man would look like, back in Jesus' time. I suspect he'd have an extra fast camel maybe in the shed or, or a, a, a maybe a GT camel or he'd have, um, um, he'd have fine clothes. He'd have re- he, he would be dressed very, very well. And, um, you know, I just wondered about that whole scene because sometimes we can skip over these Bible verses without getting a visual picture of who this guy was. I've known many rich young men in, who inherited great wealth myself as I was growing up and I was quite envious of them. In fact, I spent a lot of my younger years and, uh, with, uh, with Carol, um, although it wasn't Carol's priority. My priority was uh, to try and become wealthy and uh, this is before I met with Jesus and he changed that around a bit. But, um, but I saw many wealthy young people I was just trying to put in my mind or get a picture of, of where this guy had come from. Money wasn't a problem for him. He was in the finest clothes. My hunch is that back in Galilee, Jesus was, uh, was preaching there and doing miraculous signs and wonders, performing miraculous signs and wonders and, and teaching, and that maybe, uh, maybe, he was wandering around in the back of the crowd because he would have stood out if he was in fine clothes. Maybe he dressed down after the first time he heard Jesus speak and maybe he was wandering around there in the back not wanting to go too close and not wanting to sort of... but being fascinated by what God had said, what Jesus had said. Maybe he was around back... Uh, a little bit further in, in, in Matthew, before Matthew was even called by Jesus. Maybe he was there uh, where, when Jesus uh, uh, said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is in uh, Matthew 6, uh, verse 19, uh, where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your, there your heart is also. Maybe he was there and he heard Jesus say that in Galilee before he crossed the Jordan to go to Judea, which is where he continued to teach. 
And that would have puzzled the young man because he had everything. And he was Jesus saying, what you've got is not of any great worth at all. You've got to try and find treasure in heaven. And I'll show you the way. So on a particular day after Jesus had been teaching, in fact, he'd just been talking about how precious children were in the kingdom of heaven. This, this guy couldn't help himself anymore. He's pushed forward through the crowd and he said to the Lord, what good thing must I do? And Jesus said, you've asked me what is good. Why ask me what is good? And I read into that that Jesus was saying, you're asking me what is good on earth. Ask me what is good in heaven and I'll tell you. Only my Father's good. Only God is good. What good thing can I do must sort of uh, also alludes to the possibility that uh, the rich young man thought he might pay some money to get into heaven, to get eternal life. Jesus replied and he said, Obey the commandments, which is the old covenant. He was a Jewish man. He knew the law of Moses, do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't, don't steal, don't lie, honour your mum and dad and, and love your neighbour. He knew all that. But you see, he had a hunger in his heart and he wanted to know more. He wanted to know how to get eternal life. And, and he said to Jesus, but all this I do, but what do I lack? And then the Lord said to him, sell everything you've got, give the money to the poor and come follow me. And that made the rich young man very sad because he was a very wealthy guy and he turned around and hung his head and walked away. And it says in Mark, in the same story, I think it's in chapter 10 in Mark, that when he said, what more can I do? Jesus looked at him and loved him because that's the essence of the, 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 the gap in the heart of, of all humanity who want to know how to connect with God. And of course, that pivotal moment when we come to Jesus and we just surrender absolutely every part of us to him and we become born again, that gap in our heart is then filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to him, sell everything you've got. Sell everything you've got and come follow me. I've got a feeling that the rich young man was probably there after Pentecost. What do you think about that for a, a thesis? Probably Alan would be able to tell me that I've got my dates mixed up a bit. <laughs> There's all sorts of uh, people here who know a lot more about these matters than I do as far as dates and times in the Bible is concerned. Um, but, uh, you know, just having some fun with it, I wonder whether it's possible that the rich young man many, many, uh, what would I say, months, years, I'm not quite sure, on, was there when... Peter was telling the crowd who had persecuted Jesus and crucified him whether he was, uh, whether, whether he was actually there. I wonder whether he was one of the ones that, that called out, what shall we do? What shall we do after Peter, Peter finished his, his speech about uh, 
the way they crucified the Lord and they all need to come to repentance. And, and Peter said, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and all of your children and all those far off. For all who call on the name of the Lord. That was just a little uh, maybe idea that came into my head that I think this guy was known well by Jesus. I think he was known very well by Jesus. Um, if you go back to Psalm 139, it's a psalm of David. David's talking to the Lord, and Maggie read this out beautifully in the start of the service. And it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my living, uh, uh, going out and my lying down. The Lord knows us all so well and loves us all as much as He loved David. That's made clear to us. Jesus loves each one of us with a love that can't be described. Jesus then went on to say it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than, than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is a fairly graphic demonstration of how difficult it is because uh, we all know that would, uh, that would be impossible. And so the disciples said, That's how, how, can it, how can any rich person uh, get into the kingdom of heaven? And, God has, and, and uh, Jesus said, with God all things are possible. So Jesus is always given, giving the heavenly view to earthly questions. What about us, they said? What about us 12 here? We've, we've left everything to follow you. And he said, uh, in the coming age, you'll be sitting on 12 thrones around the throne of the Son of Man and you'll be the judge of the 12 tribes of Israel, which is a pretty lofty station. And... Uh, and then he goes on to say, I keep on getting my glasses because I can't, if I put them on, I can't see you, but if I, but I look down, I can't see. Anyway, I just put them on. <laughs> so then he went on and he said, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. There's a great inheritance in store for those who follow Jesus. So I just wanted to... There's some hard teaching in here because, it, you know, you could be forgiven for reading this uh, passage of Scripture and then going home and saying, I've got to sell my house and I've got to uh, sell all my possessions and give it to the poor. But I believe this is much more about priorities and putting these things behind you instead of putting them in front of you as your first priority. Even uh, to the point where I'd say sell your possessions means put them behind you. Put your possessions behind you. Left, leaving houses and family means putting them second to God. Now, I love my family. And I've been richly blessed with my family because I have three beautiful children and I've got, now I'm going to get into trouble here because I can't even remember how many grandchildren I've got. I think I've got six, but they're all beautiful. <laughs> Carol's going, yeah, seven. <laughs> it's one I didn't know about. 
um, the, um, the truth is that, that, that Carol's quite right. We, we, as some of you already know, the Lord take, took uh, one little three-year-old boy home a few years ago and uh, it was a very tough time. But we, we are, we are we're greatly blessed. Um, uh, somehow Carol uh, put up with me for the first ten years while I still tried to be a teenager. And um, and then I, I turned around and she was still there and she's looked after me ever since. <laughs> anyway, there's probably a few few blokes here could relate to that. Um, yeah, so so leave the idea of leaving your family and 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 um, leaving your family and 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 following Jesus is 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 pretty daunting. Yet when I think back to the uh, the uh, the people I've met that are very very wealthy. I, th- I just can't get over the notion that where we're going when we leave this life is going to be a lot more permanent than what this life is. You'd have to think so. You know, and yet not very many people in the scheme of things put as much energy into finding out about Jesus or finding about even about who, who God is as they put into uh, building a kingdom on earth for themselves. But you know, in the con- to put all this in, in context, I think what Jesus was saying is, is sell your possessions means put them behind you, put the things behind you. I had a sort of a vision when I was, when, when I was going through this of, of uh, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't even know what a vision is really. Pe- people say they have a vision, that means to me everything uh, goes black and you see something in front of you, maybe, or you, or you, or you have a dream. I have some vivid dreams. I have, uh, uh, yeah, I had this vision. I'll call it a vision of of people with all these boxes stacked up all around them, all this stuff uh, hanging off them, and they can't see God. They can't get to God because they're too busy with all this stuff. And He's kind of tapping them on the shoulder, but they can't see their way out. People love stuff, don't they? I do. I've got, I've got a house and I've got a couple of cars and a motorbike and a surfboard and a, yeah, none of which I use very much. But people love to surround themselves with stuff. It gives them security. Even homeless people. I was talking to a homeless guy the other day and he had a shopping trolley full of stuff. He's taking that with him. And it's no more ridiculous than us hoarding stuff, is it, that we don't need? And I think that when uh, uh, Jesus said, sell everything and give it to the poor, he really meant bless others the way that you've been blessed yourself. I was talking to somebody on the way in here. I was actually just saying, isn't just saying a blessing to come here from Green Slopes Baptist Church? It's so good to have him playing here. I was talking to him about it and he was talking about the, the blessing of giving and how great it is to be able to give to, 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 to people. And, um, uh, and then it doesn't seem to matter how much you give, the other end, the bank, keeps on seeming to get filled up and you, and you keep on... sounds ridiculous because it's a, it's a heavenly uh, principle, not an earthly one. But I can testify to you that... Uh, Carol and I are not necessarily wealthy people at all, but I found out it's a lot of fun to give. And that's what Jasoni was talking about. So I think that 
rewinding a little bit to the rich young man, I'm just wondering whether if he said to Jesus, look, I am going to make it my top priority to be with you, Jesus, from now on. And there's a whole lot of surplus stuff that I could use out of all my wealth to help other people. He would start that amazing siphoning principle where blessings come out and blessings come in the other end. I think that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying to the rich young man, while ever you got all that wealth, you no chance of, of, of seeing the kingdom of heaven. I was uh, driving along the other day on my way to Brisbane and I actually haven't ever heard God's voice audibly. Has anybody? Some people have, yeah. Some people have. And... But what he does with me is I start asking and praying and saying, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? And then, then he starts giving me stuff to write down. And, I, I got, I, and, and quite often that's stuff that I would never write myself. And, um, and, and I remember one time, I think I probably related this story before, I was on a building site and I was fixing architraves and skirting boards for a friend of mine and I had to preach on the Sunday and it was a Friday or Thursday or something like that and I still hadn't a topic even, let alone any basis for a sermon and, and, I, and I, as I was nailing these uh, uh, skirting boards on the, I, I was saying Lord come on what, is it, what, what do you want me to talk about <laughs> and it started and I got a piece on the back of a piece of skirting board and started writing there was, wasn't enough room and I just bolted out the front and got in the car and, the, and, and my mate saying what are you doing I said I can't even talk I'm just go home at high speed Carol will attest to this she think, thought I'd lost the plot there for a while but um, ran in and got a pad and I, six pages later I stopped and, and then, then when I looked at what I'd written it's not something that I would know to write so that's how the Lord sometimes does things with me and anyway I was driving to Brisbane and I said Lord uh, what's the what's what, what's the theme of, 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 of Sunday because you know the rich young man that piece of scripture is very colorful and great and 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 there's a lot in it but how does it affect us today and here's the words they seem a little strange and a little bit playful but I had to pull over the side of the road to write it down. <laughs> it's not something I could remember because it wasn't the words I'd used myself. Here it is. It's a word from God. It's simple, really. It says, there is spiritual pollution in this world and some of it sticks to us as we go along. We all need a Holy Spirit shower to draw closer to God. Simple as that. There's a lot of stuff that sticks to us that we don't even realise is there. So what about us? I believe this scripture points towards barriers that build up in us, just like the rich man had his, all his wealth was his barrier. I believe that all of us also have things that are stopping or, or hindering our relationship with God. You know, God has given us free will. He's given us the ability to laugh. You ever see sad Christians? 
or angry Christians? I'm fascinated by that because if he designed us to be sad, he wouldn't have put grin muscles in this part of our mouth. So we've got to be able to laugh a bit and be happy, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's given us free will and he doesn't want us necessarily to be in church praying or praying on the front veranda even or, 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 or just uh, completely being engrossed with scripture. He wants us to live. That's why he gave us this beautiful creation to live in. He wants us to have fun. Yet at the same time, he's a warning us here, there is all sorts of spiritual barriers that we accumulate in, in, our, in our heart. And it could be wealth. It could be broken relationships. It could be a lot of different things. And there'll be something for you this morning, as there is something for me, that I know is in the way of my relationship with God. There will be. You might be sitting there saying, I'm okay, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have any blockages in my relationship with God. And if that's you, I think that's amazing. You should be shining. You should be glowing like Stephen was in front of the Sanhedrin, connected directly to God. All of us have little blockages. I was just thinking that today might be a pivotal moment a time of reset for all of us, including me, where we identify what it is in our heart that might be between us and God. And I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably a little uncomfortable. I'm going to ask that... Uh, I'm going to ask that you, 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 you come out and, and, and kneel down across the front here. Some, some people can't kneel. You might find that you um, can do exactly the same thing sitting where you are, but you might feel compelled by God to come forward. This is between you and him. It's not anything to do with me or anybody else in this room, but I do know that there are many people who are willing and waiting to pray for you after they deal with the thing that's in their heart that's getting in the way of God. Just as uh, God gave me the word beside the road the other day, I said to him, what are the things that get in our... Well, some examples, Father. And he gave me a list of examples, and yesterday when I was praying, I said, there's more on, than on this list, Lord. And he said, they're the ones, I felt the Lord say, they're the ones that I want spoken over the fellowship at Alstonville Baptist Church. That's scary, isn't it? That means that if that's true, which I'm sure it is, and I come here with very, very non-judgmental eyes because I include myself in this, if that's true... Each one of these um, blockages have been identified especially for this fellowship. One or two of them are probably me. So here's what I'd ask you to do. Just Sandy, would you mind just maybe doing some quiet playing? <laughs> just 
son is such a good friend. He, um, <laughs> him and I have been playing music together for about 20 years, I think. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I want to keep on. Go- I want to go back to Psalm 139. I'm going to pray verse 23 and 24 over yourselves and myself. And as I pray, and you pray with me, I want you to pray these words with me. I want you to continue to pray in silence while Dasani is playing. And I'd invite you to come forward. I know it's uncomfortable. Even if it's just one or two, come forward and just give everything to Jesus. Put the things that are in your life behind you that are likely to be in the way of Jesus. Because this is a time of great reset. You know, we come here and worship every Sunday. We've got to to earnestly seek the Lord. We really do. God is so good. Those who, who earnestly seek after him this morning will be greatly blessed, I can tell you. I know for sure. He's told me. So I want you to bow your heads and we're going to pray the last two verses of Psalm 139. But then I want you to continue to pray. I'll just only play. Some will feel led to come to the front for prayer. Others, maybe not. Let's see what the Lord does. Father God, I just ask that you would be here in power and truth. You would convict each one of us. And that this might be a time of great blessing and reconnection with you. Search me, O oh God. And know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Come forward those who want prayer. The Lord told me to list these things, a broken relationship that have been fixed. Something that you should have said to a loved one before they left. Wealth and abundance in the way of your relationship with God. Alcohol addiction. Gambling addiction. Lust. Addiction to pornography. Unforgiveness. If you can think of anything that you wouldn't sell or give up for the Lord, come forward for prayer. If he asks you to sell your house, would you? If he asked you to go on mission to a war zone, would you? 
he asks, if he asks you to give up control of your life, would you? If he asks you to carry his cross, would you? If he asked you to sacrifice your only son, would you? This is a personal uh, time between you and God. If you want prayer, just put your hand up. But if you uh, are just speaking to the Lord, that's, uh, that's between you and God. There are plenty of people here who will pray over you if you want prayer. This is a beautiful thing that the Lord has done this morning and that he'll continue to do.